0: Every one of these episodes is packed, full of timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Min Ong. Min is the ex-CTO at Nate and now an engineering manager at WeTransfer. We discuss how Min transitioned from an IC role to a managerial one, a move that was not straightforward. We talk through the challenges associated with changing your place of work, and the importance of creating environments where people can safely reflect. At every step, Min accepts the challenge of being true to her intrinsic long-term motivators. And our conversation is a deep dive into the mind of someone not willing to sacrifice what matters to them. when when was the first time you spent a disproportionate amount of time reflecting on what you wanted to do
1: um I'll probably say that would have been uh, in my uh, part way through to my first job uh, so I started my career as a software engineer uh, undergraduate program in in a large investment bank and um so in terms of kind of starting out, I was on, on a kind of graduate program, so it's really kind of intensive, really interesting. I was learning a lot, and uh, it was also in the kind of data space, which was uh, kind of has a draw in it, and it was super interesting to me. Uh, as over time, um, the, the work did shift from kind of doing individual contributor work to starting to do more management. Uh, but at that point, I, I was starting to feel a bit, unfulfilled in, in the kind of like how much I was learning and uh, and how much I was growing um, as an individual contributor and as a, as a manager. I think at that point, it was kind of at a point where I could see both sides and the pros and cons of both potential career paths. But there was also the pull of still uh, learning more. And so that's where um, I was kind of reflecting about uh, what I wanted to do next and that was the point when uh, the big data uh, hype was uh, a growing hype and so I was drawn uh, quite a bit to the adjacent kind of area of data science and machine learning to the data work that I was doing at that point point. and yeah I really wanted to uh, find out more uh, a lot around my intellectual curiosity I suppose around how my data was being used uh, in algorithms and uh, machine learning to make decisions about me and also I felt like just as an individual, I needed to also upskill myself in terms of my uh, data literacy uh, at that point, which uh, I think is an important skill for everyone. So, yeah, I'd say that was the point when I, uh, when I did a lot of reflection on that and then uh, took a, uh, decided to take a year out of working and go back full-time to do a master's in data science.
0: As you reflected on that, I uh, it, it felt like almost two different worlds and two different parallels you're if you're at somewhere like deloitte you're thinking a certain way and you're working towards a certain outcome and what you went on to do nate is very different and it almost feels like a different chapter there's something different that you're optimizing for and the choice is in some way between these two different worlds that have two different types of outcome and two different reasons why you're why you're doing that does that ring true at all to your experience?
1: Uh, Well I suppose yes and no to an extent because uh, while so so I I did go to Deloitte after I had graduated uh, with my uh, master's in data science I was kind of doing a data scientist machine learning engineering role uh, in consulting there and I think the unique part there was that uh, beyond the kind of time and materials work, there was also a lot of work that we were doing in starting to form a software as a service type business and and business model uh, within the consultancy. So that was when I was uh, probably very kind of exposed to that kind of early start start early stage startup mentality and kind of that that searching for that product market fit and uh, validating business models. So that was very startup-like, and I would say that was then the thread that uh, took me to to Nate, uh, towards an early, uh, I guess, a real early stage startup in the sense, and and also a more consumer-focused uh, product that could also utilize my uh, skill set in uh, data science and uh, and uh, software engineering.
0: It's interesting that it almost goes down in steps, like if you're at Morgan Stanley, then Deloitte, then Nate, and each one almost feels like a different, um, uh, almost don't know how to phrase it. It's like you're going down the funnel a bit and it's getting more and more specific as you go.
1: It's, I guess it's, I wouldn't have seen my career path as as linear and certainly I I wouldn't, I'm not the kind of person to say I have a 10 year plan. I know exactly where I want to be in 10 years, uh, but definitely, all the reflection points that I've taken have led have opened up more opportunities for me. Um, and also, there's definitely relations to what I've done before in some ways. And and while I might not have come back to it quite immediately, like um, so, for example, um, while at while I started as a data scientist, I very quickly then. Uh, started going back to it's more of a, a management role um, just because uh, that was a, a gap I could see in the in the team and there was a lot more that I thought I could bring beyond being an individual contributor uh, as a data scientist to help us move the uh, business and the product forward in a, in a more uh, in, in a CTO uh, role
0: and how how does that come about because that's a that's quite a like recognize uh, like a, that's quite a moment or a thing to recognize that on the one hand you you're an, un, an individual contributor but you can you can see the opportunity ahead of you is it the type of thing that kind of landed on your lap in a way or did you have to seek it out
1: um I suppose it's uh it, it, it's it's Possibly a combination in that the opportunity or the potential of the opportunity has to exist in in the first place. And uh, I would say I did actively uh, uh, put myself forward and and raise it. And uh, I would say that was a uh, a definitely a uh, a challenging moment for myself to to have the courage to to put myself uh, forward um, and 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 kind of see how that would be received and, and how that uh, would, would change the dynamic but I would say at that point I was also very, uh, uh, I, I had a lot of clarity around where I could see us going as a business and also where I could see what the steps that we needed to take to uh, continue to uh, develop the product and grow the team to develop the product so it, it felt very uh, natural in, in many ways.
0: Why was it challenging at the time?
1: Well, it's a as in terms of um, I've never been in such a position. So it's uh, it's certainly um, a, a new position for me. And I'm, I'm also cognizant of uh, how much I didn't know at that point, or s- still don't know, to be honest. I'm always learning every every day. And in terms of uh, why that would be a challenge as well, that was also a point when uh, effectively... That would be a point when I would go from uh, kind of having peers to managing those peers as well. So that was also a uh, kind of um, as a challenging point to put myself out there. Uh, and also as a, as a, as a woman in technology, there are fewer uh, role models around. And so, even within the the startup space, it's uh, it 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 can be quite noticeable. And uh, the kind of uh, I guess gender split in, uh, in those
0: sort of It reminds me of a bit of a chicken and egg problem that you're, in order to have you, you could think that in order to have the courage to put yourself forward for that, you you would need ex- some kind of experience having done it before but in order to have done it before you need to have done it for the first time. And I think for so many people, they find that chicken and egg really challenging and really difficult.
1: And and yeah, so I wouldn't say it was an overnight change, but kind of uh, taking the route of uh, starting to do the role before you promoted uh, that sort of uh, kind of ethos is, uh, is, is how I approached it.
0: It's interesting that that relates to another way of... Um, thinking when you're trying to explore what you're interested in and often people can can give very uh blasé career advice like you know go in this direction or quit this or try that or when actually what people really need to do is they just need to get out there and and like and experiment with different things and try different things it's almost like somehow we need to lower the barrier to entry to people trying things and um, and it reminded me what you're saying there reminded me of that because it's it's almost as if you, what you're able to do is create a lower barrier to entry. Instead of saying I'm going to I'm going to go and be the CTO and I'm just going to go and do this now, instead you're able to say almost like okay, what parts of that role can I do bits of now? And it almost like. Almost like a science problem, breaking it, breaking that larger thing down into its smaller chunks.
1: Yeah, and and that definitely uh, resonates with me. And and also that's a that's a great way of uh, finding a product market fit. <laughs> yeah, your and, person uh, market yeah. fit.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So I, I suppose yeah, to an extent, a very similar uh, kind of uh, kind of approach there. And and also um, and also kind of having that that safe space to to try that and that's something that i i also uh it's something uh, a big part of what i do want to foster in in all the teams that i'm i'm managing and building today creating that that uh, i guess uh, psychologically safe environment for them to to experiment uh to try new things uh to to also uh Seek those paths of perhaps if, if someone wanted a career change, like what would be some of the things that they could do in a safe safe environment to, to try that out, uh, and and see if it's something that they wish to to put more uh, time and effort into. So that's uh, that's definitely a big part about how I think about um, yeah think about uh, kind of coaching and and providing for 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 my uh, teams as well
0: yeah i think a safe space is, is is so important and you're so right to mention it and it, it, it when we look at someone's career journey sometimes it can look like the way to navigate your career well is to make as little mistakes as possible and to make a a kind of a smaller number of of decisions that are right and it reminds me of that um is that like Michael Jordan or something where there was a, there was a survey that was, oh, that was a, 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 some some data was said that he won the, uh, or he, he scored the most three pointers in history. Um, but what people also don't realize is that he missed the most three pointers in history. And actually it was just that he was got himself in a position where he could shoot so many that meant that he he got the most. And in some ways, that safe space that you're able to create, almost what you're saying is if you can break down these like big career moves that you think are big into these smaller responsibilities that you could try and proactively pick up, then actually in some ways what you're what you're not doing is making less mistakes. You're just able to have a safe space where you can make lots of them, which then mean that you can be informed to make the right ones or or something like that
1: yeah and and yeah that that definitely uh, resonates a lot with me and it's it's also something that yeah i i try to encourage in in the team as so. well
0: how did you know when your time was up at night it's
1: uh oh that's uh, that's an interesting one uh, i think it comes back to uh to to kind of that uh my values and also listening to to feedback and so that was uh, that was probably the point when when it was starting to become the the beginning of, of the end for me. And that uh, as a as a business, um, I do think we could have done more to to listen to to feedback from from our from the market in terms of what they're telling us, and also uh, continue to uh, hold true to to the values and the ethos of the business that we set out to build. So for me, while while I did. It it is a difficult point to kind of uh, reconcile um, how much uh, kind of yes in many ways like uh, blood sweat and tears was put into uh, kind of getting an early stage startup from four people when I joined it to forty people uh, when I left um, but I think there comes a point when uh, especially for myself where. And it's become more apparent over the years as well that it really is uh, extremely important to myself that the values of the organisation that I work for highly align with my personal values.
0: Um, what do you? What's what's underneath that? What do you mean?
1: Um, so in terms of, I guess a lot of it comes down to feeling like I am authentic and that the uh, the work that I'm doing uh, is. Is aligned with what I believe in, and and, and what I think is uh, as in what I stand for as a, as a human being as well. And and that, I guess, from from multiple aspects, that would come out in terms of like how we how we interact with each other, how we care for our users, uh, how we care for, for the world that we're uh, we're, we're living in.
0: Why is that so important to you at work?
1: I think it comes back to spending a lot of time at work or and and so that being uh, it's a big part of my my life and um, and I, I do want it to be uh, not not dissonant uh, and and that is uh, that kind of alignment there is is something that makes me uh, kind of feel more healthy, uh, makes me feel fulfilled. And, um, as I don't know if I would say it gives me a sense of purpose, but it, it definitely, uh, uh, brings, brings joy and in, in, in kind of many small ways that, that the, uh, that I'm part of something, uh, bigger that is, that is, uh, helping move the world in, in a direction that, uh, i i think is uh, is is valuable
0: you must have a really clear sense of yourself there and yeah. and who you are and what you believe is is that something that you is it just comes naturally that then flows out through your work or is it something that you invest in in order to improve your life and improve your work
1: uh, it's, I'd probably say there are kind of peaks and troughs in terms of how much I've been investing it. So certainly at, at points, uh, at certain points when it almost feels like I need a catalyst for a change, I tend to do more reflection at those points. And these things have, uh, have, have become clearer over time. And I think at each kind of catalyst point, there are common themes that have emerged over the years. And so, yeah, I would say it's um, it's not something that I necessarily do continuously. I do value the practice of uh, meditation and 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 the like, but it's um, I would say the it comes from more from those larger catalyst points where where I'm uh, doing a deeper kind of soul searching, and I guess with age as well, in many ways that the common themes arise. And uh, it becomes clearer and clearer to me, uh, to me, uh, what what is important to me, as opposed to what might be important to the world and and the uh, the outside.
0: I guess the two are are related in, in a way, because whatever is is likely that the the empathetic man is also is going to your your own character is going to align with the things that are happening around you. And I guess that will change at a different points in your own journey too. Even if you don't change, the circumstances around you may change. So almost checking in with yourself at those different points and having those different moments, isn't necessarily just because you might have changed, but also because the world might have changed. Yep.
1: That's, uh, that, that's, that's probably very true.
0: It's like system code in a way. It's almost like the it's, it's what we're all operating on. It's like the kind of layer underneath that we don't spend a whole load of time programming or thinking about. It just exists as our fundamental, and only when we feel murmurs on the on the top do we then dive down and solve it. As you were talking there, I was like thinking. About my own experience and thinking, yeah, I really, I, I think I go through that same feeling too, and that, or that's at least that same pattern, where I'd have more reflective moments, uh, try and tie them together with some kind of meditation or 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 whatever someone uses, but, but it would almost be like it would happen in those more sporadic events, and sometimes I was like, well, should I be doing that m- more regularly? Like, would I would I be doing better if actually I organised time to do this, irrespective of whether I was in an emergency or not?
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, that that's something that I'm uh, I'm trying to do a bit more of myself, uh, more more continuously as well. But yeah, I, I would say in the past it's been uh, it's been bigger kind of catalyst events that have uh, have triggered that for myself.
0: I wonder why we don't do it proactively, because I, I can I can clearly see why we do it when we have some some kind of catalyst moment, but I wonder why it's not the it's not something. I, I guess it's longer term, isn't it? So we don't we don't perhaps the the feedback loop isn't quite so instant, and if we do it, we don't see the benefit of it straight away. So it almost it's just one of those things that we we don't end up doing because we don't see it as important in that moment in time we 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 continually put it off because there's no immediate deadline or immediate need for it
1: and i guess in terms of in terms of that balance there i think there is there is a balance to to be maintained as well in terms of being being really kind of over reflective as well yeah so i think yeah i think there is probably a sweet spot and that might be different for each person
0: what do you think the dangers are of over reflection?
1: Um, so I think anxiety is a is a big one. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, it's it's uh, sometimes uh, yeah overthinking can be uh, can be a hindrance rather than a help. And and personally, I think that might be why I don't do it on a regular basis, <laughs> <laughs> or or um, not until I I have the kind of Yes, the, the frame of mind or, or, the, or the the tools now with uh, perhaps with maturity to not uh, to not overthink or not dwell too much on on anything I'm uh, I'm reflecting on.
0: Our work is a is a practice, often not a thought. And uh, if our if the if we are judged by our, our the practical application of our work rather than what we think our work should be doing, then I guess it makes a ton of sense to spend most of our time in practice rather than in, in, in reflection and to, to have those kind of trenches of, of reflection. As you get to the end of Nate, you've experienced so many different working paths, you've worked at an investment bank, consultancy. An early stage startup as an individual contrib- contributor and then as a manager and you, you almost have this um that you you now have i guess all this choice um how do you choose
1: it's well i suppose at that point uh, i would honestly say i did not really choose i think uh kind of going to my next role like get holly it was kind of uh, almost a, a serendipitous kind of um moment um that i was available and the recruiter reached out and it all uh, kind of fell in place uh, really quickly and and really easily so i would say at that point i did not do much uh, much reflection so so with that um with that that kind of path beyond that uh, yeah, it it happened all I would say pretty quickly. Um, I'd probably say the kind of move to retransfer was a lot more kind of uh, was a lot more kind of calculated and a lot more uh, reflective uh, for me. It was uh, it was at a point when uh, the kind of uh, the need to align. Uh, align uh, the company's values with with my personal values was was growing you know stronger and stronger and uh, I was definitely um, in a position where I did not really want to be chasing uh, growth at all costs um, so kind of moving away from earlier stage uh, startups as well.
0: Oh that's really interesting so uh, could you talk me through that because this is such a topic that comes up so many times is when you are part of that early team, you, you are so, I mean, it's great that the market is telling you something, but if, if you are, are constantly striving to, to grow at all costs, then the, you're, or at least your startup is striving, is, is striving to grow at all costs, then that will inevitably have an impact on the way that you behave and the, and the work that you do. So it's really interesting that you decided to join a larger company because of your values, because someone might say, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to join a small company because of my values. Because I've, I don't want to work for this larger company. How did you? How did you come to that decision, and how did you make it?
1: It's, I guess, in terms of that, it it was a lot to do with uh, specifically the, the values of of transfer as well. So I don't think uh, kind of a sustainable business is exclusive to larger businesses. I think there's uh, certainly a, a more profitable uh, a profitable company. Would be would have more opportunities to be sustainable than than a uh, VC funded startup that is. Uh that is uh, basically chasing uh, that kind of return on investment for the uh, for the shareholders. So, so while I don't think it's impossible to uh, to to build a early stage startup that's uh, more sustainable, it certainly is is a lot harder. And and so that was a lot around kind of my decision points. There was to uh, also move move to a uh, larger or a more mature company, and um, but with kind of elements of that the values and the way that we uh, build teams that remain true, true to me.
0: When you said growth at all costs, it felt like there were, there were two things that came into my mind. The first was behaviors that you end up having to embody work that you end up having to do that is, that is driving the company towards that growth. And you might overstep some of the lines that you feel are, are right in search of growth day to day. The other is, is a, almost like a work-life balance thing as I am putting in so much to try and grow this, this to, to reach the milestones or, or whatever. Um, which one of those was it?
1: It's... I don't think it's necessarily one or the other. I think it's, it's definitely a mix of both. And... Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure. I have a good answer for you. Then. I think it's. Yeah, I don't think it's more one or the other. It was. It was a bit of both, and it's. Uh, it it can fuel itself as well, depending on, uh, the environment that you're in. Like, uh, the, almost like that becomes the culture of the uh, of the business and the nature of the business. So I guess in yeah, in many ways you get sucked into
0: it and it's so, it's so hard cuz uh so for example cord has never raised any any money and uh has is one of those profitable sustainable companies and i deeply believe that you don't have you can build important companies without a, a growth or cost mindset but there are there are certainly times where cord has grown far faster than i had imagined it would during a period of time and that growth has has pulled cord to a point where i've worried that cord is growing at at, at any cost because it's almost hard to stop it moving at, at that cost and i it it it, it it almost feels like maybe the two are different if you're being if that growth is being pulled out of you versus if you're trying to artificially in, in increase that growth but in some ways I, I guess at the time i worried that well they're both producing the same outcome which is that we're, we're we're really struggling to keep up with this growth
1: yeah i guess i i do see a point about differentiating that i think the artificial growth um comes at a a bigger cost in, in a lot of ways because it's not it it probably isn't sustainable at least at that point and it's almost uh, coming back to the sustainability point after the fact whereas uh, having tremendous growth uh, faster than you had anticipated for is uh, is is quite different to me I guess because uh, it's not that you're discounting. Uh, the sustainability of it, it's um, it's it's that you've uh, you've probably had very uh, happier uh, tailwinds uh, that you should uh, you should leverage and uh, continue to build upon.
0: Do you think that there's an argument to say that if you were really career driven and your only focus was. High growth as an individual that you that actually you should those environments are the best ones for you because you're constantly being challenged beyond your capability and the growth is so extreme that your own growth will will keep up with it
1: uh, yeah, I would definitely say that I can see that environment working very well for uh, different individuals um, and and to your point like uh, certainly the I'd say in the in the two years I was at, at Nate the um, my kind of development as an individual was uh, was uh, was many times kind of or oh, exponentially faster than than it would have been at a uh, significantly larger company just. Uh, through the virtue of the opportunities that would present themselves, uh, and and also, I guess, uh, my personal growth would have uh, tracked that that growth trajectory of the uh, of the business. Uh, in terms of how long each person can sustain that, I think it's very much down to the individual. But certainly, I think uh, a a lot of that kind of growth would very much tie with the success of the. Uh, of the uh, business as well, and whether those opportunities continue to, to arrive. And yes, at some point, uh, we might also hit a ceiling. I guess in terms of uh, in terms of whether whether um, assuming assuming that a startup is successful and it continues to grow, at some point, perhaps the individual might need a different form of experience as well. That might not be possible uh, from the startup, and and I do know many people who would no longer enjoy a startup when it is a kind of a very different environment at like three hundred people versus that seven people kind of startup, and they'd rather go back and re-experience that hyper growth and in the early stages rather than continue to uh, to stay with uh, with the same startup that I have given them all those opportunities in their beginning.
0: I guess it depends what you're optimising for.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose.
0: How has what you've optimised for changed over time?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. So I'd say... It hasn't changed in the sense that I'm still optimizing for where I'm still learning and, and growing, uh, just that what I'm interested in learning and growing in might have changed over time, mm. if, that, if that answers that question. So, how, uh, yeah.
0: how how's that changed?
1: Uh, so I would say when I decided to do the uh, my masters in data science, um, that was very much uh, driven by a want to uh, kind of further my technical skills in that area and my uh, data literacy. I'd say more recently with going to to retransfer that is uh, very much um, kind of consolidating on the on the management path and uh, continuing to grow my uh, skill sets in. On, on the uh, on the management path.
0: So, if you're choosing to optimize for the thing that you want to learn next, how do you know what you want to learn next?
1: Yeah, that that might go back to uh, what we were speaking about earlier. I guess having those opportunities to to try uh, different things in the in the safe environment. Um searching for those opportunities um taking those opportunities to to try things out so i'd say I'd say that that has been um what I've discovered with with kind of the broad um the broad experience that I've had at early stage startups the kind of being able to try a bit of everything just because at that at the kind of sizes of early stage startups you kind of do a bit of everything. And there are certain themes, I guess, about building uh, building great teams to build great products that have stuck with me uh, throughout throughout my journey. And and I think the best way that I can facilitate that uh, going forward and also continue to grow in is to uh, is to focus on uh, how how I can build those teams. And so that's uh, that's. Uh, and, and foster that kind of environment um, where teams can do their best work. And that has kind of refocused me back on the uh, management path that I was starting to do a bit of uh, a lot earlier in my, in my career.
0: It's fascinating that your place of work is, if you allow it to be, not only the place that can give you the opportunities for learning, but also the source of what you could be learning too if you let it be almost as if this there's this ongoing relationship and this ongoing loop with the outside world and you're you're constantly in conversation with it where you're you're attempting to l- pick up the opportunities that it presents for you act enact them and then somehow see how what difference it makes what opportunities it then creates and then pick up new ones and it's this constant revolving cycle and you can see why someone might want to switch out what environment they're in in order to optimize as an individual because if your only is if your working life and uh your work is only as good as the part outside of you the, that you're having this relationship with and the environment that you're in then your growth is completely determined by the the people around you and the environment that you're in
1: yeah and and i think that's uh yeah very comes probably very naturally to uh to to any kind of software engineers in terms of like uh what what they can work on at work and uh and, and where their interests lie. If those two intersect, great. Uh, if not, then yeah, you know, I, I would I would say that someone will probably be looking for other, other areas where or other other opportunities where those two intersect uh, a lot a lot better, where they can continue growing in that direction.
0: What do you learn at work that? Y- you take into your personal life
1: mm. that's uh it's an interesting one um I think it's and it probably goes both ways uh not just uh, one way but certainly i think like uh, uh patience. um I, I would I would probably say that I was uh, a lot more a perfectionist when I was uh, first starting out as a software engineer. And um, I think that was uh, probably something that came from the fact that your code would either work or it didn't uh, quite quite clearly. But as uh, as I kind of worked more and more in, uh, in collaboration with others on, on bigger and bigger projects, uh, it's... Uh, certainly that humans are a lot harder than, uh, than uh, writing code in many ways, and certainly uh, going to management as well. Uh, that's uh, added a lot more, uh, let's say, shades of grey on, uh, on, on that kind of black and white nature. So I'd say that's something that uh, I've probably taken more from, from the work environment, and that's kind of also shifted how I perceive the, the world as, uh, as a whole as well. Perhaps it's also age. That over here.
0: <laughs> when you talk about your when you talk about management as one of the things that you want to learn as you spoke there i it almost sounded like management was one of those things that didn't come naturally to you because of that that patience part and uh, and the code made a lot more sense And that over time, uh, as you now optimise for learning at this moment in your life, you're optimising for that. And um, sometimes it can be really difficult to decide what you want to learn through work because the kind of mysteries of nature kind of almost like throw us off a bit where we try and learn. We feel like we should learn things that we're bad at. We feel like we should take things that aren't going well and they're the things that we should learn. Whereas for whatever reason, our, our human inclination isn't necessarily to do the opposite, which might be better for us, which is to constantly try and learn and improve at the things that we're already good at and that we're already enjoying. Do you find it a challenge mixing between the two?
1: It's. I guess in terms of that, definitely, I think uh, going into software engineering was kind of leaning into that thing that uh, I'm, I'm interested in it, probably because I'm, I'm good at it, uh, sort of um, sort of a direction and kind of mix of, uh, let's say, the things that I, I know I'm not good at. I would probably not class management in that. It's more like I needed to gain more experience, Uh, with it and I needed the opportunities to experience more uh or or more situations and and more uh yeah more uh I guess um yeah it's it's not really something you can learn from a, a textbook or that you can go to uh Although there are courses, but you can't really go to university and go. I'm going to do a management degree and actually come up and apply in the and be uh, kind of perfect. There's a lot more kind of nuance in that. So I've kind of lost my train of thought there as well. <laughs> but I guess in terms of the balance of those, um, I I would think that I uh, I probably do bias towards um, improving the things that I'm I'm good at. More so than the ones I'm not good at, uh, so like public speaking, for example, is not something that I'm naturally good at uh, it uh, it It causes me quite a lot of uh, stress <laughs> and anxiety uh, but that's also something that i I do think I should have to a certain level, but not necessarily be the best uh, public speaker in the world uh, beyond that. So kind of improving the things that I'm not good at to a uh, an acceptable level to me and kind of leaving it there, whereas with some other things um, like uh, like like management now that's something that I do want to uh, take a lot take a lot further than I would um, with, with public speaking for example
0: and all the while your 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 learning is and all of these things that you're picking up are you're you're headed towards a uh this more meaningful working life and more purposeful working life and I'm conscious that we've used both of those words as we've we've gone through it, and I think often it's difficult to to know which words to use do we want a purposeful working life do we want a meaningful working life do we want a fulfilled working life and each one of those words means different things? Um, what word works best for you in that context and why? Uh,
1: It would probably be fulfilled uh, for me because uh, I I don't necessarily feel a strong kind of single purpose uh, in in my life. It, it, It has changed over time and there are many facets to it. Whereas um, being fulfilled, I think there's there's a lot of uh, kind of it's very much down to an individual what makes them uh, feel fulfilled uh, in in their life and and so what what works for me isn't necessarily something that that would uh, would ring true for for someone else. So I'd probably go with the word fulfilled, and in terms of meaningful, I guess it's uh, that's also quite subjective but just because something is meaningful doesn't mean that you're necessarily fulfilled by it at least that's how i would think about it. so fulfilled would be my uh, my choice of word
0: Min, thank you so much for breaking down how you've made the big working decisions in the past and more importantly what you've optimized for in some ways uh you've Cleverly chosen to optimize for something in learning that will constantly change as you do uh, and as the world does. Uh, and I hadn't thought about it like that before.
1: And and honestly, I've never thought about it like that before. But speaking with you has uh, has definitely helped to uh, kind of articulate that or to to clarify that. So yeah, thank you very much for for having me.
0: Cool. Well, thanks so much, Ben.
1: Yep. And thank you too, Ben. Bye. Bye.
0: The Best Work podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co You can also find a transcript of this conversation insightful video content and more at core.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.